Hey, folks, it's Cam. Uh, before we get into the show, just want to give another plug for my book, The Psychopath Economy. Uh, as you know, I've been writing this over many years. It's now available for pre-order on Publishizer.com. You can get there by going to bit.ly slash psychopath economy, bit.ly, or just go to Publishizer.com and uh, you'll see it on the front page of Publishizer.com. I think it's being promoted on the front page there. Or just Google the psychopath economy and look for the Publishizer link. But um, yeah, uh, psychopath economy, Cameron Riley, Google that, pre-order a copy of the book if you uh, haven't already. I know hundreds of you have, so thank you. Uh, but the more the more pre-orders we get, the better chance we've got of getting it picked up by a major publisher, uh, which would be great. Uh, so thanks, and now on with the show. Renaissance, late nights. Right. Wait, welcome yes. back to late nights with Cam and Ray. <laughs> it may be early in the morning, but I feel like it feels it's still late at right. night. Good, yes. Yeah. Renaissance 44. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to have a guess at how you say that in French, Ray? Um, une, deux, trois, I have no idea. Quatre, quatre. I got no idea either. <laughs> I'm just making it up. Um <laughs> But the year is uh, still 1420 Yeah, in our timeline. Uh, Baldy is dead. Aww. Marty is in. Baldy's out. Marty's in. Pope Marty. Right. Marty! <laughs> My in! 88 miles per hour, Marty! <laughs> He's, uh, Marty was in Florence, uh, as you may recall, because I think it was uh, Joanna had yeah. taken control of Rome. But she's gone. And on the 9th of September, 1420, Pope Marty left Florence for Rome, accompanied by 12 cardinals Ooh. and all of the city's influential people, all of Florence's influential people, sort of marched with him yeah. out to the city gates, yeah. wave goodbye, see you, Marty. See. I, don't even, I don't even go out my backyard when people are leaving my house. I'm right. like, just go. Just go. Just <laughs> I'm, just leave, I'm done. Just I'm done with I'm you. I'm spent. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Call an Uber. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. But they were they were a little bit more polite. Um, Papa Joe mm-hmm. rode out with him as one of four Cavalieri. Oh, okay. Are Did you a Cavalier, like, Ray? Uh, we do have the Virginia Cavaliers here, the University oh. of Virginia. We're called the, the Cavaliers, but that's mm-hmm. as far as, as my connection goes. Do you know what a Cavalieri was in Florence? Did I don't you pick that up in your detailed and extensive <laughs> research. Is there a third person? Uh, no. Um. Uh, well, as far as Virginia goes, it's the people that were still loyal to the king. I think. Oh my God! I'm trying to remember. I don't know about Italy. 
or France? Mm, no, well, you know, why would you? You're just doing a show on Italy. Right. I mean, why would you know anything about it? Thank you. Um, there, uh, not to be confused with uh, Cavalieri's principle. Right. Uh, in geometry, Cavalieri's principle is uh, the method of indivisibles. Right. Um, it's in a two-dimensional case, you've got to suppose the two regions in a plane are included between two parallel lines. In that plane, if right. every line parallel to these two lines intersects both regions in line segments of equal length, <coughs> then the two regions have equal areas. Are you starting off with a tangent? I'm just asking for the <laughs> no, audience. It's not a tangent. It's not. There's two parallel, oh, they're parallel lines. Good There's one. No, no tangents. <laughs> I got you. It's named after Bonaventura Cavalieri. He's an Italian mathematician in the late Italian Renaissance. Right. Now, Cavalieri in, uh, in uh, Florence um, was one of their most honoured citizens who had the right to wear mm-hmm. golden spurs. Ooh, kinky. Nothing else, and pup- just golden spurs. Yeah. <laughs> That's sexy. That's yeah, listen. Hey, Horace. Hey, Horace. Yes, you try. can wear the golden spurs. However, yeah, I'm not sure if you've read through the fine print. You can't, <laughs> you can't. wear anything else. You'd be like fucking yeah. sign me up and a um, smile. But that sets as far as we can go. Now, Papa Joe, um, I mentioned this because uh, by 1420, Papa Joe is one of only four. Cavalieri in uh, Florence. Ooh, okay. He's one of those four golden sperm motherfuckers. So he's reached the the tippity top right. of Florence at this stage. Um, I don't exactly know when he was given this honour. It's not contained in any of my sources. But uh, he, we've seen him on this journey go from being a scrappy young startup guy Mm-hmm to uh, being one of the four top people in Florence. Right. But let me ask real quick, even though it's September September uh, 1420, he's one of these four gold guys, but yet he has still not been made, you know, for the short term, the leader of the Florentine government. Am I correct? So he's gone far, but it sounds like there might be a little further to go, if, if he wanted to, if he was so interested in the, in, if he had political aspirations. Just for a point uh, of well, you know, well, one of the, one of the things that we know about Papa Joe mm-hmm. is that he doesn't have political aspirations. Right. Part of his whole part of Shtick. his whole deal right. is, right. you know, just uh, stay in the shadows, yeah. just keep your head low, keep your head low, get rich. That's the right. deal. Like the clap, um, just lay low until you're ready to strike. It's, it's the Tony Coniston <laughs> model. <laughs> Keep your head down, <laughs> get rich. Just get rich Don't, and have fun. Yeah. yeah, Have fun. Yeah. yeah. Tony, Tony's got golden spurs too. I'm, I'm sure, sure he does. Um, if he doesn't, he's going to go out and buy some after he listens to this. <laughs> uh, now, after the Pope left Florence, he stopped off at the convent of San Gaggio, mm-hmm. just outside of Florence, where, according to my sources, he got down from his horse. Sure. And asked for all the nuns of the convent to be brought before him. I don't like where this is going. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> I do. I do. He, he blessed them one after the other. Is that what they're calling it? Uh-huh. And kissed them on the forehead 
over their veils. That's hot. Now, veils being secret Vatican code for clitoris, I'm quite sure. (laughs) You know, just on the bullshit filter uh, this week, we did this whole story about (laughs) the long and and, uh, and much honoured tradition in the Catholic Church of priests, bishops, uh, cardinals, and I'm quite sure popes um, raping nuns, um, uh, impregnating nuns. yeah. And then, uh, you know, sending them off. Sorry, yeah. you're gone. Yeah. Damaged goods. Right. Um, what kind of a nun are you? You're pregnant, right. but you fucked me. Yeah, but yeah. you let me. Well, no, but- you held me down. Well, well yeah, but, you yeah. know, if you were a good nun, yeah. the Lord wouldn't have let me. See, this is oh, St. Augustine's. yes, uh, that's right. Know. That's right. You're a little bit uppity yeah. as a nun. So anyway, I, that's that's yeah. that's Pope Ma, uh, Pope Marty's idea of a good time. When the last thing he said was, and this was kind of tacky. Hey, you know what? Tell everybody it's God's child. No way, that's been done. Okay, I've got no advice for you. <laughs> someone, with- someone beat us to that one. <laughs> God damn it! He just had his security. He had his security guys give right. him a bouquet of flowers right. on the way out. Uh, a la barrier, barrier. Thank you. <laughs> What a romantic. But he's not happy with Papa Joe, obviously, as we mentioned last time, because Papa, because Papa Joe built a tomb for old Baldy. Yes. Which referred to him as Pope John 23, not anti-Pope. Right. Um, and uh, so he's not happy. But around about the same time, the political situation in Florence had changed. Yeah. And that's where I... High five you, Ray. Okay. Tap you in. Tapping you in. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, air, air, uh, air high five. Yeah, the man who had slap been in you charge. On, slap, you, slap you on the ass. Get in there, boy. <laughs> Which I think is how we met. Uh, the man in charge, the man who had been in charge of the ruling uh, oligarchy in Florence, Maso degli Albizzi, aged 84, died in uh, 1417. I think the Black Plague came along and gave him a little kiss. Um, but now there's a different man in charge because the oligarchy is still in charge. They're the ones still controlling everything, keeping the Medici out. And the man who's in charge now is Nicola, Nicolo de Uzano, a well-known aristocrat from the town. And as you can imagine, just like Giovanni tried to kiss up to Pope Martin, he also tries to kiss up to Nicolo. But the results were pretty much the same, he was told now. Yeah. yeah. Maso del, uh, Deli Abizzi, by the way, uh, was 84 when the plague got him. So yeah, not bad. Full not life. Bad run. Full life. Yeah, Niccolo de, de, Niccolo de Uzzano, um, you know, he's uh, the elder statesman now yeah. of Florence. And um, Joe... Papa Joe tries to get in his good books, but uh, he's not getting very far because no. for the old oligarchies, uh, even though Papa Joe has got the golden spurs, right. he's still <laughs> yeah. got the reputation, not through anything he's done really, right. but other Medicis before him. They still have the reputation of being covert sympathizers of the masses. Right. And and the hoi polloi were getting restless again. Yeah. The uh, pop, popolo minuto, the little people, your people, Ray, <laughs> um, the, the midgets, 
Is that like uh, being king of the nerds in high school? Yeah, it feels, it feels yeah, like kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it and, is. They um, they were starting to get restless. Um, the the elite uh, were, were were sort of referring to them as the. Uh, Pianoni or the uh, snivelers. Stop sniveling. Stop sniffing. Sniffers. Right. Pianoni. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was some truth to that because they used to sniffle, snivel, sniff rather than blow their nose because they couldn't afford handkerchiefs. There was no, what the fucking tissues? There's no yeah. Kleenex. Kleenex. There was no cleaner. You didn't go. You didn't have a box of Kleenex. You had to. You had to blow your nose into perfectly good cloth. Right. They could. They couldn't no. afford cloth oh, to that, blow their nose. In. Is that what you use Kleenex for? For your nose? Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Learn something new every day. Talking to you, Cam. Thank you. <laughs> they. Uh, they couldn't afford perfectly to, to to blow their noses in perfectly good cloth. Right. So they had. You know, they've got a poor diet, shitty clothing. Right. They're not warm. They're in the germs. There's no uh, no, no idea of sanitization right. in uh, the 1420s. So they're always suffering from colds and coughs, often dying from them. Short people, short yeah. lives. <laughs> that was their motto. Oh, my God. And you're right. I mean, they're badly dressed. They can't afford food. Short I mean, this people is- have... <laughs> Short people have. Short people have. Short lives. That's that's so insensitively wrong. Yeah, but see, it doesn't matter. Despite all that, despite all that, Giovanni, like we said, he's subtle, but he's consistent. He's been talking to people. He's been uh, extending his contacts, uh, using his finances to uh, to you know to make contacts and to win friends and influence people. And so by. 1421, his name is actually being, you know, bandied about, considered for the position as, as the next or, or soon upcoming Gonfalonieri. So he is, his all his hard work and his subtlety and gathering his riches is, it seems like it's starting to pay off. Yeah, although I I don't think he's looking for this. Uh, no, my no, no. take on it yeah. is that he's uh, he, he's like, listen, yeah. if you really really want me to do the job, I'll do the job. But I don't want I'm power. Not I don't want fame. I want glory. Yeah, right. exactly. I will do it as a public service, right? Because I love my city, right? <laughs> but um, you know, I'll do it and then I'll shut up and I'll go. You okay. know, I'm not looking. He, you know, he he's learnt from the lessons of the previous Medici that, um, yeah. you know, where things Sylvester. didn't go well. Right. Yeah. Don't yeah. go too fast. And anyway, so uh, Niccolo D'Azzano, is uh, he objects to this? He's like, no, yeah. you can't, you can't trust yeah. a Medici. You remember when Sal Sal <laughs> de Medici uh, betrayed <laughs> the elite, right? When he was Gonfalonieri during right. the Chompy Revolt. It was only 43 years ago. <laughs> but still. I remember. Still. I was a young man when that happened. Uh, Medici, you know, they can't be trusted. And he thinks Joe, Papa Joe, is probably smarter and more cunning and more patient than old Salvatore de Medici. So, uh, yeah. you know, he, uh, he, he he's very suspicious. Yeah. There's always this idea that the Medici uh, are going to use their 
wealth right. and their power base. You know, they've been handing out gifts to the Popolo Minuto mm-hmm. to uh, use all of this to basically establish themselves as the tyrants of Florence. And, you know, we we have to keep in mind, I have to keep reminding myself as I write all this stuff, that the, you know, I'm like, oh, who's going to do that, establish themselves as a tyrant? Well, that was the norm of Italy. Yeah. Everywhere. They, they, yeah. Every every major city <laughs> had a tyrant who ran the place. Like their their arch rivals, Milan, had the Visconti. Right. Um, you, you know, in, in uh, um, Naples, you've got... Uh, Whoever the fuck, whoever Naples, came after remember. Joanna, Joanna, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. people that came after her, yeah, yeah, and even the Pope. If you want to look at it from political, just a political point of view, the Pope is the you know the de facto ruler. His word is law for the papal states. So again, it's one man, uh, complete rule. So you're right. I mean, Florence is the exception, and, and they're acting like it's a big deal. And we all know that a lot of guys in Florence would love to be the dictator of Florence. They just can't come out and say it. Yeah, little kids, uh, rich kids grow up in Florence in this stage. You know, one day, I'm, it's not one day I'm going to be president, it's one day I'm going to be the tyrant dictator of right. my city. You my can do it, Johnny. Said, yeah, yeah. You can do it. <laughs> you if you believe hard, it, you can achieve it. <laughs> keep your nose clean, study hard. Yeah. Yeah, kill off your rivals, keep whatever. The dream, yeah. Keep the dream alive. <laughs> Remember Sulla. If Sulla can do it, you right. can do it. But see, I, um, I, I just want to throw this out real quick. So here's here's uh, Giovanni li- pretending to live modestly because we know he's got a, he's got a lot of money, not as much money as some other people, but he's got a lot. And just the fact that he is choosing to live modestly, even that gets skewed. He gets turned against him. So people like Niccolo Cacique can go, aha, see, he's got a lot of money, but he's not showing it. He's just pretending. He's just waiting. Well, not on my watch. Yeah, he's just uh, pretending not to be. He's he's downplaying his wealth so we don't uh, kill him. Like, duh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just he is. Yeah, that's right. Um, but you know, I, I think we have to keep in mind that Florence, at this juncture, you know, they have a republic, but it, it's hanging by a thread. It's it's quite an amazing and astounding balancing act actually right. that they're able to keep it uh in place uh, despite the fact that i'm sure there's there's a whole string of people who would rather um you know establish themselves as tyrants right. there's probably kings and popes uh trying to bribe members of the oligarchy in Florence, listen, you know, if, if you establish yourself as... It's basically the way the US runs, you know... The, yeah, the, I'll the, back you. Venezuela right now at the right. moment, the coup going on in Venezuela. Listen, you know, we will... You run for Juan Guaido. You you, right. you, you announce yourself as president. We will back you to the hilt, right. we, you know, with, with, with media support, with money, with, with, with training, with troops, with supplies... Um, yeah. Maybe even boots on the ground if, if we can justify we can right. find a good excuse. Just try and get a few civilians to get killed, and then we'll come in. M- American civilians, pref- preferably. Yeah, um, we'll come in, uh, uh, but we will support you. But then you have to support our policies. Give us right. access to you know the richest oil reserves on the planet. Um, same, the same things. Of what this is, yeah. this is this is the way politics has always been done. So it's quite astounding. We, uh, that, that Florence has been able to maintain this republic. Right. Yeah, look, it's not the greatest republic. It's not the. It's a bit like Athens or, mm-hmm. or Rome. 
you know, it's got tons of flaws, but uh, it, 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 it's surviving and uh, against the odds, and and it's something. It's better than right, better than nothing, maybe. Right. Well, I, I, I just don't know. maybe a benign dictatorship would be better. I don't know, but well, it's kind of an oligarchical dictatorship. Right. Instead of one person being in power, you've got I don't know a hundred families that are that are in power and sharing the the wealth amongst themselves. Yeah, maybe that's better. Well, yeah, no, but I, I think you make a valid point. If you have a hundred people or a hundred families sharing power, that's certainly better than one person, as far as pretending to be a representative. But at the same time. Um, Maybe it's not as efficient as a as a Augustus, someone um, a, um, a tyrant who is going to actually be good to to the people. But before we move on, I just have to say the socialist in me has to say those forty three years that went by that Niccolo was still harping on. How many poor people have died from those forty three winters of exposure, of not enough to eat, not enough clothes, of being sick or whatever? So these guys are you know, arguing over power and the people are struggling and they're dying and they in some ways see the Medici as their only hope. So even if um, Giovanni is not doing more than just being nice to them, I can see why the oligarchy would be nervous because they've got to know that the people are extremely unhappy and they have to be watched. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's, he's very, uh, Niccolo da Uzzano is uh, very suspicious of Papa Joe. He's yeah. trying to uh, prevent him from being elected gonfalonieri, um, but it doesn't work. So in 1421, Papa Joe is elected to the head of the Signoria, Woo! and it has begun. Yes. The the Medici uh, under this new generation started by Papa Joe has started to taste political power. But as I said earlier, I think he's being he's downplaying it. Yeah. You know, he's going, "Yeah, okay, I public service I'll do it, but really, yeah. Don't want power. Happy right. just running my little bank. <laughs> um, my tiny little Barely struggling. And you know, his first day on the job, he did a George Costanza. He's at his desk going, oh, God, oh, my God, I am so overworked. I can't do this. Oh, my God, get me out of here. I can't wait. What was it? Was it 60 days, 90 days that they were in power? I can't remember. I can't wait for my term to be up. But you're absolutely right. All that work is paid off. The power base for the Medici has been laid. They finally made it to the top spot. Yeah, well, it's not the first time they've had a gonfalonieri. No, but, but it's uh, been a while. It's been a while. Been a while, been yeah. decades, and yeah. uh, it's one of the first, um, well, it's the first of this new generation. Right. Two months, by the way, their term of office. Two months, thank you. Six, 60 days, yeah. Um, now, he, he achieved another one of his goals. Uh, I be, One of my sources says three years later, so 1424, another one of my Sources said fourteen twenty it happened. So, right. Yeah, pick, I don't, let's split split the difference. I guess um, <laughs> it's just history. The, the, yeah. His arch rivals, the Spinney family, Boo. Uh, who were who were the papal bankers for Pope Marty, right. went bankrupt. Now, yeah. I tried to find details on this. I couldn't find any details about how or why they went bankrupt. D- uh, did you come across anything? I concur. The only, um, yeah, I drilled down on the Spini banking family. You I did tried to pick. Not. No, shut, be quiet. Shut Let, up. You did not. I, hey, I spent 10 minutes, you lied. 10 Don't. fucking minutes on Wikipedia. I could not find out 
the details. But the point is, they went down in flames. Ten minutes. Nine and a half of those were looking at Victoria's <laughs> Secret catalogs. <laughs> I was still on the internet. Anyway. Anyway. Goal number and two. And so Pope, Pope Marty needed another banker and Papa Joe quickly stepped in to fill the breach. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So once again... The Medici, oh, fuck, I've got to say it properly, the Medici. Medici. Once again, the Medici Bank mm-hmm. are the papal bankers and they have a license to print money. <laughs> and they learned some things. I mean, they probably knew this already, but they learned some things about their inner, inner workings of the church. Would you like to talk about the slight corruption going on? No, you can talk about okay. it. So anyway, so yeah, so when they uh, they become the papal bank, uh, the Libro Segreto, the secret book of the Medici, shows how the system in the in the in the banking system, but also with the church, really works. The Rome branch had a list of its personal uh, personal deposits or secret accounts that paid interest, of course, which was against the church's ban on usury. Now, some of these counts from either cardinals, prelates, uh, one was even the Pope's closest confidant and the ap- apostolic. Uh, treasure, some of these accounts by these church people had either like like 2,600 florins, one had 15,000 florins. And I think, as you said in a couple episodes ago, a florin could be somewhere between $100 and $1,000. So these priests doing the humble work of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior on earth, are fucking mega rich. And they're being paid interest on their accounts, which the Medici are only happy to do, because like you said, they can take that money, loan it to other people, and make even more money. So everybody involved in the church is, on a certain level is just raking it in. Now, you said that paying interest on these deposits was usury, um, and I don't understand that. I mean, I know charging interests... Right. Charging, charging interest on loans was usury and against mm-hmm. the, 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 know, the teachings of Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> I'm not sure Jesus ever. <laughs> he never had got, to, got that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he didn't have two coins to rub together. <laughs> right. Good point. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think it was more St. Anselm of Canterbury and, and Thomas Aquinas who uh, argued that charging interest was wrong, but I don't think yeah, it was like a thousand years after Jesus. Right. But um, yeah, giving people, they're, they're saying that's wrong because it's um, double charging. We talked about this, I think, in an earlier episode. Right. That was St. Thomas Aquinas's view is that interest is wrong because it's double charging. You're charging both for the thing and the use of the thing. Right. Um, and that's good morally business. wrong. Right. Morally wrong, yes. Right. Good business, yes. But uh, if you're paying someone interest when they mm-hmm. deposit money, that doesn't seem to be wrong. That seems to be nice. You're like, oh, thanks. Right. You're giving me something for nothing. That's great. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's wrong because you're only able to pay them the interest because you're loaning out the money that they deposit for a, a greater amount of interest. So them that the interest that you're paying them is dirty by association right. I, I, I don't really I, i'm not I, you know no yeah. one knows more about christianity than i do as you know right. I've, seriously though i've 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 been getting into some great discussions with um 
Christian pastors <laughs> on Facebook. Uh-oh. Like I follow, I follow a lot of Christians, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, it's great just to unpick some of their bullshit arguments right. <laughs> on Facebook. And just yeah, politely, but just politely point out why what they're saying is bullshit, and then they'll try and I, not knowing who I am. Quite often, right? Not that, yeah, not knowing that I know a little bit is what I'm saying. Sure, not, sure, I got you. Um, they will try and you know uh, give Teach me the you. standard excuses, School. and I'm like, yeah, yeah. but uh, but this until finally they just give up right. and um, <laughs> well, let go. Explain how a prelate of a church has fifteen thousand florins in an account. That's like if you and I'm sure I'm sure you've done this before, but sometimes I'll just look at senators who've been in the Senate for a long time in the United States. I'll look at their their net worth when they first went into the Senate, and I'll look at their net worth now, ten, twenty years later, and it's like gone up, you know, two hundred percent or five hundred percent or whatever. So just explain to me how, and, and I know what your salary is, so there's you can't just say you got it from your salary, but yeah, explain how some of these church uh, people got just shit tons of cash, and you know that's. I guess that's just obviously one of the things they want to hide. Well, as I think we've talked about in previous episodes, when you uh, bought your way into the church, mm-hmm. you basically were you you became a, a landed gentry because the right. church Prince. owned all this owned all the land right. in the papal states. And uh, yeah, you became a prince um, if you're a cardinal, I think. But even if you're a bishop or somebody a bit lower down the food chain. You had a territory. Your job as a bishop is basically you're basically a duke. Right. Your your job is to to save souls. Tax. Oh, sorry. To tax sorry. the people in that area. Pass some of it up to the church and keep some of it for yourself. Ah, sticky fingers. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of money to be made depending on you know the the, the region that you had and how profitable it was right. and how much agriculture was going on and all that kind of stuff. But getting back to me and uh, me and, and talking to yeah. Christians, yeah, I was explaining there was this thing. Uh, Craig Buddy, actually, our, our old buddy Craig Buddy, Craig posted uh, from buddy. Canada. Yeah, um, the the about somebody saying, you know, how come you know, to Republicans, uh, Obama, who was married for twenty five years to the same woman. Um, <laughs> Was the Antichrist, but right. uh, uh, a guy who's been married like three times, Cheated blah, on blah, 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 right, right. is uh, chosen by God. Um, uh, and I was pointing out that, you know, uh, the Antichrist is an interesting thing. So Christ mm-hmm. comes, Christ is the English version of Christos, which is the Greek version of Messiah, which was the Hebrew word for the anointed one who Good was God. basically the saviour who was supposed to save the Jews from mm-hmm. the Romans. Uh, well, from their oppressors, but at, at the first century. Um, right, it was, it was the Romans. Romans. Yeah. Um, and most, you know, there were, there were varying ideas uh, in Judaism in the first century about what the Messiah would look like when he came, but the general idea, the most common idea, was that he'd be some sort of a warrior yeah, king in the, in the shape of King David, right? Who would come and smite their giant enemies with big swinging dicks. <laughs> um, look at it. I would follow um, that. I would follow that. Go ahead. 
So the Christ is a warrior king. Now, anti means against. Mm -hmm. So the anti-Christ is the person who is against the warrior king, which, you know, would be somebody who's against a warrior king would be somebody who's advocating peace and love, which is what most Christians today think Jesus was all about. Right. Therefore, Mm -hmm. Jesus is the Antichrist. Whoa. He should be called Jesus Antichrist. Oh, my God. Not Jesus Christ. One, you blew my brains, and two, Mm. it's been nice knowing you because there's probably going to be a Christian jihad on you. But... (laughs) Hey, I'm just I'm just explaining what the words mean. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Jesus yeah. is actually the Antichrist. Based if on... you believe that he was the peace and love God. Right, exactly. Wow. That's so that's what I it, for all of you listening when you sit down to Sunday lunch with your Christian <laughs> friends and family. Whip this out. This weekend. Yeah. What do you say? You ever thought that maybe Jesus is actually the Antichrist? No, wait, wait. In a Hear good me way. out. In a good way. Hear me out. Yeah. What I heard Cam say was, <laughs> and I said that on, I think it was Craig Buddy's, uh, a comment on Craig Buddy's post, and some guy goes, I don't know where you're getting this stuff about Warrior King from. I was like, yeah. well. Books. You know. Learned <laughs> from. <laughs> spent the last couple of years interviewing biblical scholars for this film that I'm making. But other than that. Craig, Craig Buddy was all like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, back to uh, back to uh, being the papal bankers. Yeah, so all these all these guys had a lot of money. So fifteen thousand florins. You know, if we accepted a florins equivalent to about five hundred US dollars yeah. today, that's uh, you know three quarters of a million dollars. Not bad. Putting in these secret accounts. Now remember that the the bail money for Baldy was thirty five thousand florins, and that was half of the entire profits that the Medici Bank Medici Medici Bank Mediterranean Mediterranean Medicine Mediterranean Medici the Medici Bank hard to get over twenty five years of uh, yeah yeah yeah. Calling it one way when you have I, to do it the other way. I am going to snip that uh, out and use that as my ringtone. Please continue. <laughs> that was half the thirty-five thousand florins was half the entire profits the bank had made over twenty years, Jeez. and someone is depositing right. half that amount. Here you go, just, just to put, put that, it into perspective. Put, put that in my account. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I'll see you next week. Yeah, Jesus. So uh, some of these depositors with secret accounts, according to the Libro Segreto, were a couple of cardinals, a couple of prelates, the Pope's closest confidant, and uh, the apostolic treasurer. <laughs> I'm in the wrong What's business. What's a prelate? You're, nobody knows more about yeah. Catholicism than you do, Ray. What's a prelate? A prelate is a high-ranking member of the clergy. The word derives from the Latin prelatus, which means set above or over, or prefer so someone high ranking of the clergy. Again, how do I get that job? You came prepared for that one. I was. I was. That's the only one. So for the next yeah. two and a half hours, yeah. don't you ask me a fucking that question? Was, that, that was your entire prep for the week. <laughs> I am done. Oh, I will see you, you next week, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have one more. Uh. I do have one more oh. about a oh. saint that may or may don't not. Don't tell me. No, oh, you don't, want to be surprised. You want to be surprised. You want to be surprised. Okay. Yeah. All right. All don't right. ruin it for I like me as the audience. I like this game. <laughs> <laughs> Which word 
Did Ray actually prep for this week? That'll be on the quiz for the coffee mug. Coffee mug quiz. Coffee mug quiz. So. Anyway. Um, now, in 1420, Papa Joe was 60. Ooh, uh, yeah. And his partner, Benedetto de Bardi, mm-hmm. died. Aww. So he decided to retire and turn the business over to his sons. So by the time, uh, if, if it was in fact uh, 1424 when the Spini family went bankrupt, right. Papa Joe wasn't even running the bank anymore. It was uh, his sons, Cosimo and Lorenzo, right. ostensibly with Cosimo, the elder of the two, in the top job. Um, the the capital of the bank was declared to be twenty four thousand florins. Right. The sons put in eight thousand each, <laughs> and uh, a member of the Bardi family, yeah. taking over from Benedetto, put in the other eight thousand. Where where did they get their eight thousand from? Their allowance? <laughs> well, no. I mean, at this stage, I think uh, Cosimo's in his. 30s, yeah, and he's been working in the bank since he was 18. That's true. So, yeah, as senior senior manager, senior exec, he's making some cash. Um, been you know he's in Rome for a long time, so he's uh, yeah he's cashed up, okay. and he's he's, right. he's been paid a good salary. He's he's also got an inheritance from uh, well that no it's when Papa Joe dies he gets right. his inheritance. Yeah, but he's been, he's been earning he's and been he's earning conservative. Good money, yeah. These years. yeah. So what does Giovanni? Yeah, they're all very conservative. Exactly. Yeah. So what does Giovanni do now? Does he just go and smell flowers for the rest of his yes. life? Yes. <laughs> <He> smells. <laughs> he just walks by. Uh, Papa, Papa Joe, you know he's in the he's behind the scenes. He's Don Corleone <laughs> after Michael has taken over. Right. Just in sitting there the, in his the garden. first film. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's, <laughs> he's growing tomatoes, playing with the grandkids. You know, uh, so Cosmo comes to him and yeah. says. Hey, Dad. You know, kind of question. He says, "I never wanted this for you, Michael. <laughs> I always thought that one day you would oh. be Senator Colleone, uh, President Colleone. Don't worry about it, Pop. Another pet's in the Pop. There just wasn't enough time, Michael. There just wasn't enough time. Don't worry about it, Pop. Right." Don't worry about it. But just imagine having the 60-year-old guy who has seen so much, who has done so much, and who has learned so much advising you. I mean, and you've already had the best education money can buy. I mean, this is a powerhouse, a very subtle powerhouse. But still, these guys, this is impressive. This is an impressive family. Yeah, Papa Joe is, I think, particularly impressive. Mm. Um, he's 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 a bit like Augustus, except he never he never took power, but he just built the power base very right. slowly, very conservatively, very carefully. Patience. built up the power base for the future generations yeah. of Medici. Yeah. He's like you know, like, I don't need to have my name in lights. Right. I don't need. <laughs> Um, to have power. And, yeah, I don't need. I'm just going to. I'm just going to build the foundation for future generations. Yeah, and that I, is indeed what he did. Just one generation removed from country folk. I'm a simple man with simple needs. Just pretend like I'm not here, and that's what he's been doing for decades, and it's worked because a lot of people don't really know his true wealth. 
Yeah, he has this very mm-hmm. simple house. He lives in a good location, but it's a modest house. He lives in the shadow uh, of the cathedral. It's like a 300-yard walk um, from what is now Via Roma. And the uh, the Medici Bank's headquarters is in the Via Porta Rossa. So the point is, he's got the simple house. It's just him and his servant walking down the street. To look at this man, you would have no idea of his wealth, his connections, his, his influence, and, if I have to say this for his sons, his ambition. Yeah, and he just he stays behind the scenes, advising, counselling. Keep your friends close, but <laughs> keep your enemies closer. <laughs> never, never go to lunch. Never, never go to a banquet in your honour. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't just don't be a cunt. That's my general thing. Steve, <laughs> I'm done. Uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Give me an orange. I can put it in my mouth. Pretend I'm a monster. Um, yeah, yeah. He's very humble. When he walked around the city, he only had a single personal servant with him, not an entire retinue of servants like other leading families. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. he was a big fan of Warren Buffett. Um, <laughs> right. He lived in the same house, uh, drove the same old Ute. Um, <laughs> d- but. Now that he's semi-retired, he is devoting a lot of time and money to patronage. In 1419, mm-hmm. the year before he retired, he became involved in his first major product uh, project. We've talked about it before, the Ospedale degli Innocenti, the right. uh, home for the orphans that he had uh, our mate Bruno design. Uh, a couple yeah. of years later, with some other neighbourhood families around San Lorenzo, they commissioned the rebuilding, the renovation of the Church of San Lorenzo, designed by... Um, shit. Yes, designed by El Chito, <laughs> the famous <laughs> Renaissance architect. <laughs> uh, the ch- rebuilding Chito. of the church, uh, cons- it was consecrated by St. Alsom, but that's probably not who you mean. I'm not sure who it is. Brunelleschi. Bruno, yet come again. on, Bruno. Yeah, Bruno. Bruno, Bruno is Mars. very, 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 very tight, right? With the uh, with the Medici family, um, mm-hmm. they they want to they want to give him a lot of jobs. They think he is the bomb, <laughs> and you know he's he's already done the dome, right? And they're like, well, shit, if you can do that, she can do anything. You can you can yeah. do anything. Now, yes, it had been consecrated. The original church had been consecrated in 393. Wow. And it was in a pretty bad state even before it was damaged by fire in 1417. Yeah. And a bit like Rome in the glory days, um, in Florence in this period, uh, the way that you, you know, sort of put your name up in lights in, in, in a <laughs> subtle way was to build mm-hmm. things or rebuild things, make things that yeah. m- enhance the civil infrastructure in a way that the people would get benefit out of. Right. You're building temples, you're building ch- or churches in this case. Um, you know, you're making things nicer in yeah. Rome yeah. for the people. So he's he's got his gripper on at this stage, <laughs> Papa Joe. And, uh, right. you know, people know who paid for it. Exactly. They, they know who who cares about the people, who cares about the city. You're not hoarding your wealth and 
just using it to snort coke off of hookers' tits, you're you're spending some of it on making the city more livable. Right, exactly. I guess another obviously the yeah. the ospedale degli innocenti, the 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 orphanage. orphanage yeah. You know that was used a lot, particularly by nuns that priests knocked up, <laughs> but also just by the popolo minuto. Yeah. Um, and 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 this church, the San Lorenzo church, was where the Medici worshipped. They'd named many of their sons Lorenzo in honor of Saint Larry. So um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a big thing for them, right? And I just want, and again, this is just brilliant of Giovanni. This is his attempt, albeit subtle, because what it is is there's a commission that's um, doing these works and he's in charge of the commission or he's on the commission. So the point is, it's not just him standing out from the crowd. He's a part of the crowd, but he's making sure it gets done and he's putting his money towards it. And you can think of it is they're raising their social status to match their, albeit quiet, political influence as well as, as obviously as their riches. So again, so this is something, look, we've got the money. Uh, we need to work on the political power. We'll get to that later. But for right now, let's just, you know, in a very subtle way, raise our social status. And again, the people are so appreciative of this man and all he is doing. Now, Bruno, um, Bruno developed quite a good relationship with Papa Joe during this time. It took, a, it took like a decade for Bruno right. to build both the Osbedale degli Innocenti and the, uh, the, the San Lorenzo work. Hold on a second. He built the... When did he build the... When did he build the Duomo? So, uh, yeah, look, so actually the timeline says that Bruno, he sort of uh, starts work on the Dome around about the same time, right? 14, wow. 19. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's getting he involved with, with the Papa Joe projects and the Duomo all around about the same time mm-hmm. is when his, uh, his reputation's taking off. Right. Now, Papa Joe also gets a little bit more involved in politics at this stage, as we said, with he comes Gonfalonieri. And then in 1422, the crazy motherfucker Duke of Milan, Visconti. <laughs> right? By the way, uh, distantly related to um, David Bowie's great producer, Tony Visconti. Wow. Um, I, I, I believe. Tony Visconti, uh, I'm a big fan of Tony Visconti, um, mm-hmm. or have been my entire life. If you don't know who Tony Visconti is, you should check him out. He's this guy, I think I think he was a musician originally, then he became a producer. Um, he uh, produced all of Bowie's albums from the, you know, sort of the key period in the 70s. Diamond Dogs, Young Americans, Low, Heroes, Lodger, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Then they parted way for 20-odd years. Then he came back and did Heathen Reality the next day and Bowie's last album, Black Star, which is a complete masterpiece. Um, So, yeah, he also produced, uh, I think, McCartney's album, Band on the Run, Stuff by the Moody Blues, um, just one of the great fucking record producers yeah. of the 20th century. So, um, so but, but this Visconti, the Duke of Milan, signed a peace treaty with Florence so Milan could attack its other neighbour, <laughs> Genoa. Right. 
And again, this is when you have one person in charge. They can do whatever they want. They can start wars. They can stop wars or whatever. But when you don't have anybody that can check you, you can go a little mad. And there were people that were very fearful of the the Visconti Duke of Milan. Now, where's Genoa, Ray, in the whole scheme of things? Where are we talking Um, here? Northern Italy. Oh, my God. You got Venice and you got Genoa. It's northern Italy along the coast, but I'm trying to remember which coast. So on the west. If you go, yeah. If you go right up to the the top of uh, Italy on the the west coast, uh, the top 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 of the boot, (laughs) right, right, the top of the boot. Uh, that's where your Genoa is, gotcha. right up the top there. Mm. Yeah. If you if you go to Corsica and then you just go north until you hit Italy, yeah, that's uh, that's Genoa. Gotcha. So so he makes peace with Florence, but only because he wants to attack someone else. Which I'm guessing Florence doesn't give it fu- give a fuck. So they're like, okay, peace treaty, that's fine with us. Because it turns out the Florence the Florentine men aren't the greatest fighters in the world. <laughs> Putting that nicely as I possibly can. Well, you don't want to fight when you're rich. That's true. That's true. Rich people don't want to fight, usually. I'll fight you for that last Um, drumstick. I think that's as far as it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So even after the treaty was signed, Visconti then occupied Forli, Mm -hmm. a small town in uh, Romana that was under the protection of the Florence, uh, the Florentines. Yeah. Um, and the leading Florentine families were like, oh, we oh, have to go to war. Our we pride. have to go protect. Yeah. Yeah. Our name. Can't, can't let him do that. All <laughs> right. All you poor people, <laughs> go and do something about that. Look, we're making money from this town. Right. Uh, you know, go go f- fight, fight for us. <laughs> now, the people were against it, um, obviously. Now, wars are expensive, as right. Americans know. Um, and the the people were sick of their taxes being spent on wars, which they usually lost because, as you said, Florence was kind of shit at war. Right. Um, and in this particular instance, uh, the Medici sided with the people, the uh, Papa Ooh, Joe, Cosimo, yeah. Lorenzo. They're like, nah, yeah, listen, yeah. Uh, let let them let them have it. You know, yeah. we now this probably because they weren't making bank out of it. Right. This probably, I mean. There's probably good political and financial reasons why the Medici were against this. Probably uh, there were other uh, elite members of the oligarchy in Florence that had substantial income streams coming from Florence. Ah, right. Uh, And the Medici didn't. So they're like, fuck it, we don't care. No, we're with the people. You know, there's always cui bono things to uh, 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 dig down into here. But anyway, the Signoria voted for war Anyway, when they did, Papa Joe, obedient servant of the city, accepted their decision, assisted with the preparations, um, and, of course, the war went bad. (laughs) Yeah, Milan actually took more territory during the first three years of fighting. Now, the, the funny thing is, you were talking about geography a second ago, Milan and Florence are only 160 miles apart. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is in kilometers. I'm 300, I don't know. But the point is, so Florence is, is even more threatened, but they have to stay in the fight because they've got no choice. But yeah, it's not going well. The bills are being run up uh, and not a lot's getting done. And that's because 
a lot of the fighting was being done by the mercenaries. And I'd like to think that the mercenaries of this time were the Cam and Ray warriors of their time. We'll get together, we'll clash our swords, we'll scream, ah, ah, and they'll fight. And as long as they're getting paid, they'll keep putting up the pretense of fighting, but not too many people are dying on either side, if you know what I mean. The Cam and Ray version of these warriors would be sitting at home in their undies going, oh, that, what about that fucking war, hey? Oh, that's wrong. wonder who's benefiting from that war. You going to go fight it? No. no. But I'll talk about Do I it. I look like an idiot? Yeah, hit yeah, record. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, if you're a mercenary, and again, it's qui bono, right? Um, if you're a, if right. you're getting paid an hourly rate to fight... <laughs> yeah. You're gonna you're gonna make it go on for as long as possible. <laughs> years, um, yeah. well, at least years, <laughs> decades if possible. You're getting as long as the checks clear. To fight, right? Not yeah. die, not die. No, but fight. You're not. Yeah, and and it's not like you're going to get the spoils. There's oh, no spoils right. when you're on a salary. Those days are over. Well, for these no, guys, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. But if you're a paid mercenary, you you you, you might have a, some sort of bonus incentive if you for for a victory. But basically, you're getting paid to fight, so you stretch it out right. as long as possible. And, and to do, you can't kill the other side no. if you want to stretch it out. So yeah, you you kind of go, <laughs> hey, um, I'm about to throw a throw a spear at you. Could you move other way? I don't think that, don't think they were throwing spears at this stage, but yeah, I'm going to shoot an arrow at you. Just uh, are you ready? Wait, wait, not yet. I've just I'm finishing my lunch. All right, well, okay. what, what, twenty know. minutes? Yeah, yeah, twenty minutes to be good. Email me. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Text me when you're ready. How about I, I'll blow my horn? Oh, that when good. I finish my lunch, <laughs> then you blow your horn, right? Letting me know that you're about to fire. Well, then I'll blow my horn again and tell you that. <laughs> I've, I'm ready. Is that All what right. they call battles, blow by blows? Yes, yeah. that's okay. exactly what they call. Um, it's a job. You, yeah. you, you want it to last as long as possible. So <laughs> this, this particular war with Milan goes on for three years. Oh. Then finally Venice gets involved right. on the side of Florence, which <laughs> tilted the balance. They could provide more money for more mercenaries. The mercenaries on both sides kept pretending to fight each other for another two years <laughs> until uh, Visconti from Milan eventually signed a peace treaty in 1427. Yeah, yeah the, the treaty um, heavily favoured Venice and it was proposed by Pope Martin V, so he couldn't exactly ignored in all good conscience. So yeah, so he so the, the Duke of Milan starts this. It doesn't end well for him, but the point is everybody has spent a shit ton of money and Florence, besides getting the war to end, doesn't really have much to show for it. Yeah. And it was of course incredibly expensive, like George W. Bush levels of expensive. <laughs> right. Um and now Florence has to raise sufficient taxes to pay for the war. Oh shit. Um, according to Machiavelli, in this war, the Florentines expended three millions and a half of ducats, right? Which is the equivalent of four point two million florins. Now, God. if we use our five hundred dollar right. metric for a florin, that's about two point one billion dollars. <laughs> 
Yeah, 10 minutes ago, we were saying 15,000 florins is a lot. And here is, yeah, 4.2 million. Jeez. 2.1 billion. Yeah. Uh, dollars. So, right, yeah, right, 4.2 right. million florins. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there wasn't enough taxes in Florence mm-hmm. to pay for that in uh, 10 lifetimes. Right. So they had to come up with new forms of taxation. Yeah. Yeah, so what it is is um, during the past, the city would use the estimo system, which means they would collect taxes to pay for the war and for other things, but that system was based on stated income. Now, if you're a landowner, you can just say, oh, yeah, I've got a lot of land and I've got some cows and stuff. No, that's my wife. But the point is, I don't have a lot of cash. So if you're going, and I'm really sorry about that, but if you're going to tax me on income, yeah, I just don't have much. So here's a little tiny money, even though I've got huge tracts of land, I have very little cash. So the rich were able to hide their money. The poor or the just barely not poor weren't wealthy enough to hide their money. So they're going to end up paying the balance of the taxes. And of course, they know this is coming. This has been going on for many years. Something's got to change. Because like you said, there's no way this current system is going to work. Yeah, because the rich aren't paying taxes, usually. That sounds familiar. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Now, the majority of the population hated the system because the poor people suffered the most. Obviously, the rich didn't mind it. That's why they put it into place originally. Right. But um, after this five-year war with Milan, they realized it was going to be impossible. Yeah to raise enough taxes using the old Estimo system. So they had to come up with a new system, and this new system was called the Castato system, mm. not the Castrato <laughs> it feels system. Like it. <laughs> it's what they did to you if you didn't pay your taxes, then they castrated you. Right. But uh, the Castato system was based on a citizen's entire wealth, not just his income. All oh, of your shit. assets, all of your possessions were written down in a public ledger, drawn up by inspectors, and that would be the basis of your tax. Now, this is a highly popular system with the popular (laughs) minuto because they don't have any assets to speak of. (laughs) Could you write down everything you own? Could you write down everything you own here? Yeah, I'll just write an X or a zero. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's basically like me writing down my stuff. (laughs) And I'm done. I own debt. Lots of debt. That's what I own. I'm rich in Um, debt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so uh, not very popular with the wealthy. Now, depending on the sources, Ray, I don't know if you just saw this, but some some sources I read said that Papa Joe was blamed for this. Right. uh, New new Castado system. Um, Other sources I read said that the Albizzi introduced this new system and Papa Joe was against it but just went along with it because he didn't have any choice. Right. So I'm not really sure on what the what the facts are here. The take I but got obviously, on, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I didn't mean to be rude. No, I, the, the take on it I had was that, yeah, it was, it was created by the oligarchy because they've got to pay this. Giovanni, being the fiscal conservative that he is, doesn't want to go along with it. But like you said, he saw which way the wind was blowing. Uh, so he backed the plan. So even though the leader of the oligarchy, Albizzi, technically approves it because Giovanni was public with his support. He's going to get credit for passing, even though he didn't pass it. That was how I interpreted that very mixed, I mean, that that very mixed um, recording of history. 
Yeah, well, that's certainly the way that some of the sources mm-hmm. depict it, okay. but others not so much. But if you if you if you break it apart, though, you think, okay, well, Papa Joe, if he's trying to uh, diminish the wealth and power of his uh, competitors, the other right. wealthy elite in Florence. Mm-hmm. This is probably a good thing for him. So uh, he is tapped into this source of income now as the papal bankers, which is going to make him insanely rich very, very quickly. I mean, he's already very rich, but it's going to make him insanely rich. Um, He can afford to pay a lot more in taxes, whereas Uh. maybe some of the other old oligarchies uh, in... Florence, yeah, they've got uh, money and they've got assets. Em. They probably have big investments in yeah. you know, the clothing industry, the silk industry, um, gold, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they, their business isn't going to grow 100% a year for the next five years, <laughs> where his business is, <laughs> right. 1,000%, right? <laughs> yeah. So he can, he can withstand uh, paying much higher taxes, probably easier than some of his uh, rivals in Florence. Mm-hmm. So it makes makes sense to me that he might uh, be oh, from sort the get-go. Of be- yeah. behind this. Right. Even though, you know, uh, he is a conservative, but he, you know, they, they, they have these massive debts. Now, I don't know where they got the money from to fight this war. I'm assuming they borrowed it from right. somewhere, maybe even the, the Medici Bank, was putting up some of the money to help fight this war, and he wants to get paid back. So in order to do that, the city needs to raise more in taxes. Gotcha. Um, Anyway, so this is going to be put into place. Um, Papa Joe does seem to have been a public supporter of it. And so, the you know, again, this makes the Medici popular with the the small people. Snivellers. The short people. Right. The snivellers. Yeah. (laughs) The great unwashed. Um, uh, but, uh, that makes him, you know, his, his public support of it makes him even more unpopular with people like Ronaldo degli Albizzi, the new head of the, uh, Albizzi family and kind of the real head of, uh, the, the Florentine oligarchy. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, now I've got the fucking windblower outside my window. Well, that might be a good time to wrap up this episode. <laughs> right. Some massive taxes because are Papa coming. Because Papa Joe yeah. is about to die. Introduce massive taxes and then die. That's a good way of doing it. <laughs> but that will be in our next episode. Bye.